Good thing we have the Republicans. I hear that sentence said more and more these days in evangelical circles. It's almost like we've committed ourselves to the Republican Party as the bulwark that will protect us against the silliness at all levels of government surrounding us these days. Well, let's talk about the Republicans. We know that threats to religious liberty are already swirling through Canada and now France and soon the United Kingdom. But surely the church in America, particularly in the heartland, especially the Bible Belt, we're safe from that kind of attack, aren't we? Isn't the church okay here? Well, let me tell you about Lafayette and West Lafayette, Indiana. In this city in the heartland, the city council is promoting a new local law that would penalize anyone who talks with minors in order to help them overcome unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. It would, in, in effect, criminalize giving an underaged person advice on sexual matters that goes against the dominant narrative of the LGBTQ agenda. It's very interesting to me, it's hypocritical in fact, that we say, well, teenagers are old enough, they should be able to make life-changing decisions without parental consent. They should be able to make decisions about sexual identity. They should be able to make decisions about gender transformation. And parents shouldn't have any say in that matter. And then we turn around and these same people say, well, if you want to give them another option, teenagers are vulnerable to that kind of manipulation, and so it has to be outlawed. It can't be made possible. They publicize this legislation as a ban on what is called conversion therapy. Conversion therapy is a nationally discredited psychological approach to manipulate somebody out of a certain set of behaviors. It has been discredited, and frankly, uh, there's not a church in Lafayette or West Lafayette, Indiana, that uses conversion therapy as a part of their counseling ministry. But they use that as a disguise to get this legislation through, because in fact, despite the fact that this is, quote, a ban against a therapy that's not even being practiced, in reality, this legislation is designed to coerce churches to forfeit any ability they may have to speak to issues somehow related to the LGBTQ agenda. We're told the law is targeting professional counselors who are acting in an inappropriate and unprofessional manner. The problem is that's not how the bill is written. When you read the text of the proposed legislation, it threatens the ability of churches to preach the Bible, and it even threatens the right of Christian parents to counsel their own children in matters of sexuality. In other words, it steps in and prohibits the very kind of, uh, of interaction that is the lifeblood of the parent-child relationship. The proposed fine for talking to a minor about his sexual struggles, even within 
a biological family, the fine is $1,000 per day. There's a councilwoman in that city by the name of Shannon Kong. She is self-identified as what she calls herself a queer person. She has declared ordinances and resolutions like this one are intended to change the culture. Huh. Well, you bet they are. The strategy is not to have civic debate over the issues that divide us. The strategy is to simply outlaw all opposing views so that there's only one side that's ever heard. But it's okay because the Republicans will stop this nonsense. That's what a lot of people think. But let's talk about the Republicans. The experience of my lifetime with the Republican Party is that most often their approach to the culture wars involves two dominant strategies, either abandonment or appeasement. Let me give you some examples. Exhibit A, abandonment. Last year, Governor Asa Hutchinson, who is the Republican governor of Arkansas, vetoed a bill that came to his desk from the legislature, which was designed to prevent puberty blockers from being given to minors. Puberty blockers is a nice word that really means uh, these are drugs that would chemically castrate young men who were under the impression that they wanted to be young women. Hutchinson vetoed the bill for an odd reason. He claimed that he was just tired of fighting every battle of the culture wars. Huh. Well, can you imagine Franklin Roosevelt saying, you know, I'm just too tired to fight the Nazis and the Japanese at the same time. The only thing that approach would have gotten us is today we would either be speaking German or we would be speaking Japanese. You don't pick those battles, you fight the battles that come to you. But for Republicans, this idea that I'm just too tired to engage in these battles, uh, there's always another one on the horizon. Yeah, that's the way wars happen. And yet, as a matter of appeasement, a lot of times in the culture wars, the Republican Party is simply a wall. They're a way without leave. Well, Exhibit B, that's appeasement. In the U.S. House of Representatives recently, uh, the Radical Equality Act was passed by a Democrat majority. That bill, I've spoken about it in previous Truth Currents, that bill would have pretty much codified the, the agenda of the sexual revolutionaries. It never made it through the Senate, so the Equality Act did not become law but Republicans seem to never be able to take a win and run with it. What happens is, instead of letting the Equality Act die the natural death that it should have died, there is a Republican representative by the name of Chris Stewart of Utah. He has enlisted 21 Republican co-sponsors to submit a bill called the Fairness for All Act. The Fairness for All Act is nothing more than the Republican need 
to appease the progressives, the activists, and the media that is always so critical of their side. Why these men and women are so desperate for the approval of people who will never approve them is beyond me. It wasn't enough for the Senate to vote to, to let the Equality Act die. We now have in the House of Representatives this Fairness for All Act, authored by a Republican, signed on by 21 other Republicans. This lovely bill is essentially the Equality Act with a few weak religious liberty assurances mixed in. What they've done is they've included a few uh, so-called protections for churches and religious organizations. This act exchanges our robust constitutional protections and replaces them with watered-down statutory exemptions. That's not appeasement. In the culture wars, that's outright surrender. What is it about Republicans? They're either absent without leave or they're constantly waving a white flag. Well, let's cross the aisle and, and let's, let's be bipartisan. You know what? I just want somebody to stand up in the Senate or the House of Representatives and say, listen, some things are wrong and some things are right. And right and wrong is not up for public vote. What are my objections to the Fairness for All Act? Well, first of all, it offers protections to explicitly religious organizations, but only to organizations. In other words, all of the protections built into this act are primarily for churches and, and religious, religious uh, operations or ministries, but there's nothing in there to protect the, the conscience of individuals. It's as if they think that our faith is only lived out inside the walls of our churches. So while they'll point to this and say, we've made plenty of protection for churches, the fact is there is no protection built into this law for the doctor who says, I have a moral conscious uh, objection to participating in a gender transformation surgery. There's no allowance for a nurse who says, I can't participate in the abortion process. I have a, a, a spiritual conviction against that. There's no protection for uh, a business owner who says, we have certain policies that, that protect uh, the integrity of our male and female bathrooms. We have no protection for those who would say, uh, our business can only conduct itself along our Christian convictions. There's nothing here for people who provide services for weddings. Our, we're back to our bakers and photographers not being able to follow their own conscience and say, I cannot participate personally in a same gender marriage ceremony. The protections are limited to organizations. Now they'll sell you on the idea that there are plenty of protections built into this law. It's not true for individuals of faith. But not only that, my second objection is, there's no protection built into this law for the conscience of non-faith individuals. You don't have to be a Christian to have a strong objection to, uh, to the problem that your daughter might go into the bathroom at Target and be assaulted by a man who claims 
to identify as a woman. You don't have to be a person of faith to say that, that transitioning males should not be allowed in female sporting competitions. You don't have to be a person of faith to have a moral objection to the idea that a man can self-identify as a woman and immediately be transferred to a female prison or, or mental health facility where he will have a captive pool of victims available to him at all times. There are no protections here for people, even people who don't declare a faith basis, but simply have a moral objection within themselves. It's not allowed. My third objection is this. Currently, anti-discrimination laws in our nation are designed to protect against active bigotry or hatred. In other words, the laws are set up to to, uh, to protect us from people who would act on their bigotry or their prejudice, to harm people in some way beca simply because they were uh, people of another race or another culture. This law takes it to a different level. Bigotry and hatred are outlawed right now in this country when you act on your bigotry and your hatred. This law criminalizes your worldview without any action on your part at all. It says by being an evangelical Christian, you are by definition guilty of believing things that are not acceptable in polite society. So with the passage of this Fairness Act, you become a criminal for what the government thinks you think. Well, how do we approach this? Well, first of all, we've got to get off this wagon train as evangelicals that says the Republicans are the answer. If we could just elect more Republicans, if we could just put more Republicans in power. Folks, that has not worked in our lifetime. We're looking in the wrong direction for our help. In Isaiah chapter 30, the first, three, the first two verses this is what the prophet tells us. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster and does not retract his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of the workers of injustice. The psalmist tells us the same thing. In Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8, he writes, Some praise their chariots and some their horses, but we will praise the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. What's our answer here? Well, the first answer is we have to stay engaged in the political process but the real answer here is we've got to quit thinking that our engagement in politics is the solution for the culture wars that are swirling around us right now. The Republican Party will not be the horses and the chariots that come to our rescue and save us as a nation. The answer is we've got to quit whining about the culture and we've got to do what the prophet said, which is to fall on our knees 
and look to the Holy One of Israel. God really is the solution to where we are. Spiritual awakening will not come because churches figure out the best program to offer in their communities. Spiritual awakening will come to America only when churches fall on their knees and cry out for it to happen. And God responds in grace and mercy to a sinful nation because there is a remnant of her people who recognize that God is our hope and cries out to him. I don't care which party you're technically a member of, but let me tell you something. There's something strange that happens even to good Republicans when they go to Washington. They get infected by Potomac fever and they begin to act like politicians who are trying to get reelected. We need to elect good men and good women, but they are not the horses and chariots that will solve the problems of our day. When was the last time you prayed against the silliness in our culture? When was the last time you wept before the throne of grace on behalf of this nation? When was the last time you looked to the Holy One of Israel as the source of our help and our hope? You say, well, that's not much of a strategy. Folks, that's the only strategy and we better figure out how to get back to it. This is Truth Currents. Whoa.